When our good Lord called us to follow him, of course, the first thing that might come to our mind is the, the, uh, the gentleman that dropped their nets and then uh, went and followed and did whatever he said. But there's a level of that following that, of course, means imitating him. It means that we are to listen and we are to watch, we are to imitate, and as he said, to grow by grace to become as perfect as his heavenly Father is perfect. Now, sometimes we think of that only as a mental thing, maybe just spiritual. But our guest today is going to talk about how another aspect of that is recognizing that we are whole beings, body and soul. And all of us are to be, all parts of us are to be conformed to the will of God. Well, welcome to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi. It's a pleasure to join you today, each week. EWTN allows me to have this hour to invite guests to join me in a discussion of Scripture. And often we focus on Scriptures that we, uh, quote, never saw, unquote, other verses. In other words, particular Scripture texts that, though we love Scripture and recognize the power and the beauty and the infallibility and inspiration of Scripture, yet we didn't quite see what they were saying to us or maybe even recognizing their presence. But as we grew uh, in awareness of the Holy Spirit, awareness of the presence of God in our life, and an awareness of the truth and authority of the Catholic Church established by Jesus Christ and his apostles, then pretty soon we may have begin, begun to see particular scripture texts that either drew us in that direction or confirmed us in that direction. I've often talked about the verses I never saw, First Timothy 3.15 being the one that started my journey home to the church. Well, such is the case today. Our guest, Peggy Bowes, is uh, joining us today. She is going to be the guest on the Journey Home program in a couple weeks. She's going to share her journey. I want to make sure you tune in to listen to that. I think it's November uh, 7th or 8th. It's uh, the 8th, Monday night, November 8th. She'll be the guest on the Journey Home to share her journey into the faith. Today, she joins us to talk about some scriptures that are important to her and in particularly from the way the Lord has guided her in her life, that um, she has become very focused and aware of the, uh, of the connections be between both our spiritual journey and our physical health. And so she has written a book. I'll have her talk about it in a moment, The, the Rosary work, uh, Workout. And uh, it... Uh, some of you may wonder, what? The rosary for a workout? Well, we'll talk about that. You'll see the beauty of what she has been led to do in this book. And uh, let me tell you, uh, well, in the scriptures I'm going to read just in a moment are going to focus us on some of those same issues. But um, uh, it's, it was a pleasure for her to join us in the studio uh, to talk about her journey. Let me give you just a little snippet of her background. And I'm going to remind you that this radio program is connected to a website, deepinscripture.com, where you can find out all this information. You can watch the program live. You can give us a phone call or an email. You can listen to all the archive programs. Uh, uh, there's even some special notes for today's program. All that's there on deepinscripture.com. And, uh, and, and one of the ways that you can uh, access that is also by going uh, through the chnetwork.org website. Now, let me tell you just a little bit more about Peggy. She is a um, uh, the author of The Rosie Workout, as I mentioned. You can go to rosaryworkout.com to find out more about that. She graduated from the U.S. Air Force Academy in 1988, served nine years as an Air Force pilot and health and wellness consultant. After leaving the military to raise a family, she continued her education in the fitness industry, becoming a personal trainer, lifestyle and weight management consultant, and aerobics instructor. And even as I sit here across from her, I'm feeling terribly out of shape. Uh, Peggy and her family recently traveled the U.S. and homeschooled in an RV for four years. She is also very active in parish life. She has been a lector, a CCD teacher, Little Flowers Girl Club leader. She enjoys triathlons, hiking, adventure races, and other sports as she incorporates all the benefits and blessings of the rosary workout. Peggy and her husband and two children currently reside in North Carolina. And again, there's a, a website for her www.rosaryworkout.com. 
And we always ask our guests to choose the scriptures. We don't drop them on them. Uh, we let them choose. And she's chosen a number of them. Let me read them. Uh, they're, they're all really great scriptures. And as I read them, you'll, you'll hear that uh, the, the, the symbiotic connection between the spiritual growth that we're called to uh, have as a result of grace and its connectivity with our whole person, our whole being. The first reading comes from Sirach, chapter 31, verse 19 through 22. How ample a little is for a well-disciplined man. He does not breathe heavily upon his bed. Healthy sleep depends on moderate eating. He rises early and feels fit. The distress of sleeplessness and of nausea and colic are with the glutton. If you're overstuffed with food, get up in the middle of the meal and you will have relief. Listen to me, my son, and do not disregard me. In the end, you will appreciate my words. In all your work, be industrious, and no sickness will overtake you. Then now we move to the New Testament, the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians, chapter 9, 24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we are imperishable. Well, I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I pummel my body and subdue it, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And then finally, Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 3, verse 17 through 19. Brethren, join in imitating me, and mark those who so live as you have an example in us. For many, of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is the belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Well, these are the scriptures we're going to listen to today, and so in just a moment, our guest Peggy Bowes will join us, so stay tuned. Next time on The Journey Home, join Marcus for a special episode of The Journey Home from Norway when he heads a special roundtable discussion about ecumenism, evangelization, and multiculturalism. Find out how people in Norway are making the journey home to the Catholic faith. That's on the next Journey Home, only on EWTN. The Journey Home is seen and heard around the world on EWTN. For dates and times in your area, log on to EWTN.com. If you enjoy the Journey Home television program on EWTN, you'll want to purchase a copy of Marcus Gerdai's book, Journey's Home. Journey's Home contains the conversion stories of men and women who, as a result of their surrender to Jesus Christ, heard a call to follow him more completely in the Catholic Church. Many of them were Protestant pastors or missionaries. Others were laymen who, though working in secular jobs, took their calling to serve Christ in the world very seriously. To order your copy of Marcus Gerdite's book, Journeys Home, simply visit our website at www.chresources.com or call us toll-free at 1-800-664-5110. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, uh, Mark Scrodi, and our guest today is Peggy Bowes. Peggy, welcome to the Deep in Scripture. Thank you. It's an honor to be here, Marcus. All right. Well, it's good to have you here. Thank you very much. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, your entire journey is, uh, we're going to discuss it in a couple weeks on, on the Journey Home program, but maybe it's good as we jump into this. You've chosen these scriptures Maybe in a general way, can you tell the audience a little bit about your journey and maybe then why these verses, at least in a general way, had something to do with it? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, part of, I was raised a very devout Catholic and, and uh, as a child and uh, gradually drifted away in my um, young adult life. And, um, 
and uh, never really studied scripture before until I came back into the church and was finally realized what it meant to be a Catholic, to be a Christian. And that part of that is to understand and learn the Bible and to know our salvation history. And uh, these particular um, verses uh, inspired me while I was uh, researching my book, the, the Rosary Workout, because I wanted to know what does the Bible say about health? And um, so I did some research and came across some of these verses um, and also through uh, another wonderful book on um, on uh, spiritual fitness called Fit for Eternal Life by Dr. Kevin Vost, yes. and, um, and which I know that you're a fan of that book too as mm-hmm. well, Marcus. Mm-hmm. And uh, these, these scripture does talk about health and the catechism does too. Um, the, in fact, the, the catechism states that the body and soul are so unified that the body is considered a form of the soul. And it's very important that we take care of our bodies through regular exercise and through healthy eating with our, in our own personal limitations that God has given us. And um, we become, um, we're stewards of our body. It's a gift, uh, and we're, we're created in his image. And uh, therefore, it's very important um, to, to care for our body. Yeah, the the tradi- a traditional phrase within spiritual writers. We, we've always heard the idea of mortifying the flesh. What does that mean? I mean, I, what, what do we mean by that? And, and maybe we have a negative view of that's just people over here that hit themselves with boards. You know that that, <laughs> yes. you know the old Monty Python image that that's that's out there to 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 belittle anything of value in the church. But the but the reality is, and, and this I want us to talk about. And I'm sure we'll get there. And that is the 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 symbiotic connection between how it's our responsibility by grace to train our conscience, our will, inform our intellect, discipline our will, so that when we know that we are supposed to do something or not do something, and we're being tempted to do the contrary, our will has been trained, the muscle of our will, to obey a formed conscience. That's exactly parallel to the way we are called to take care of our body. Absolutely. And they're interconnected. And, and Kevin Vost, that's a big point of his book. And as I see in, in your book, and I'm wondering, before we again jump into the scriptures, at what point in your life did you start re- seeing that? Because my guess is most of us brought up in whatever church we were brought up, that isn't talked about all that often. No, no, not all. And I think there's kind of, um, especially among devout Catholics, sort of a um, a negative uh, connotation toward fitness and exercise because in our our current culture, it's it's viewed as selfish. Um, you know, you're exercising and you're dieting so you can have a bikini body for the beach, which of course is not is contrary to modesty or to have six pack abs. So I can understand why um, a lot of Catholics and Christians are wary of of perhaps. Um, trying to, to, to be fit or trying to buy some of the secular fitness books out there because, you know, a lot of the photographs are very immodest and, and yeah. the, the, the role models in fitness uh, flaunt their bodies instead of, of, of seeing them as very holy. And so that can be a big turnoff. But um, really, we can take care of our body in a spiritual way. Um, self-discipline, um, and that, that, that Bible quote from um, Corinthians, St. Paul, talks about how a- athletes exercise discipline in every way. And and um, the, the same goes true for our prayer life. It can carry over. If you can be disciplined about taking care of your body, if you can be disciplined about your diet, then you can be disciplined about your prayer life and vice versa. Yep. Those who are already disciplined about their prayer life can apply that to care, the care of their body in a way as caring for your temple of the, of the Holy Spirit and not as trying to fit into size four genes. Yeah, there's a mysterious interconnection between our spirit and our body. And I, I don't know if I've ever read that a scientist has figured it out yet. I mean, you think about it. When you you look at your fingers, right? Yes. And you just think for your tip of your finger to move, and you do it, and it is instantaneous. Well, was that because just some electrical impulse went from this side of your brain all the way down through your neck and your body and out your arm to your finger? Or is there the symbiotic connection between your spirit, your soul, your body, 
that is beyond our ability to explain purely by electrical impulses. Oh, absolutely. And it's interesting, in, in Dr. Vost's book, he talks about St. Thomas Aquinas, and he says how St. Thomas Aquinas mentions the glorified body, and the glorified body will obey the spirit. And right now, our human bodies, you know, our spirit is almost in obedience to our, uh, subject to our human bodies because of, of sinfulness. And um, and we we can start to work toward that uh, that ideal of a glorified body um, where the body obeys the spirit through exercise and prayer, the combination therein. And um, another thing that's interesting that, that Dr. Vos talks or quotes St. Thomas Aquinas, and I want to read that. St. Thomas said, those in whom the motive power is stronger and those who through exercise have the body more adapted to obey the moving spirit labor less in being moved. So even St. Thomas Aquinas saw the value of exercise as self-discipline in, in helping the spirit, the, the body to obey the spirit. And even on the just simplest level, that we recognize that as God is our creator who created us in his image, his fingerprints are on our soul and on our body as one being. And so uh, if we neglect the body and only focus on the spirit, There'll come a time when we're not able to obey the spirit because our body is flabby. Our body's, our body's out of shape. We're not healthy. It's a both and. And we will stand before our Lord on what kind of stewards we've been of all that he's given us. Very true. And I think that's both what you and, and what Kevin were writing in your books. Okay, let's jump into this wonderful verse. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, a couple things about this Sirach verse. Uh, Peggy, it wasn't in my Bible before. Right, my, right, right. <laughs> my old Protestant background didn't include Sirach. It's too bad because it is a tremendous book. The other thing that I, cracks me up when I look at this, the Coming Home Network distributes a, a, a pamphlet on Read the Bible and the Catechism in a Year. And I, and I remember when I put that together, and I did it almost mechanically. I divided the whole Bible up into how many days and how much you have to read each day to get it through and, and all the stuff. And then I arranged them, not anything according to calendar at all. I just arranged them. And what was funny is on Thanksgiving, <laughs> this verse oh, no way. happened to show up in the calendar on the Thanksgiving oh, day. Cracked no accident. Me. No, it would crack <laughs> me up. So talk, Sirach 31, 19 through 21. This is, it's amazing that what's said in here is in the Bible. It cracks me up. Oh, it does. And and you have to look at, um, Sirach is, is considered one of the books of wisdom. And it was written by Ben Sirach, a sage of Israel. And um, this was written in about the second century BC when Jews were being forced to adopt a Greek-like type of culture. So there was very much an emphasis on the body to the detriment of the spirit. You know, the Greeks hmm. had the, the ideal of the, the physical body. And that's what we'll get to again in Corinthians with St. Paul's words. Um, but it's, it, and it, this is part, you know, this is wisdom to counteract the influences of the, of the body. So um, I love how it talks about how um, it ties in healthy eating and exercise and with being fit, you know, being fit, healthy eating and healthy sleep. And if you don't, if you eat too much, then um, then you're not going to sleep well. And I love how he says, if it's too much, get up in the middle of a meal. <laughs> you know, just push away your plate if um, you are, you are still, or if you're too attached to food. Well, and, I've got to say, so I'm going to read this because maybe someone just tuned in. Let me read it again, Peggy, and then you comment on that because... What cracks me up is, as I read this, I want you, to, the rest of you, to listen to think about how the, the 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 earthly industry out there says the way to handle these problems is just to take the purple pill. Yeah, you know that's the way oh, you deal sure. with with the you know if you have acid reflux or you got a stomach problem and all that. Well, no, there's a simple way to do it, and that's just take the drugs. But let me read this beginning verse 19. How ample little is for a well-disciplined man. He does not breathe heavily upon his bed. Healthy sleep depends on moderate eating. He rises early and feels fit. The distress of sleeplessness and of nausea and colic are with the glutton. That was the Thanksgiving verse. <laughs> and if you are overstuffed with food, get up in this too. Get up in the middle of the meal and you will have relief. Listen to me, my son, and do not disregard me. And in the end, you will appreciate my words. And all your works, work be industrious and no sickness will overtake you. And the, the last line is really important, too, that no sickness will overtake you because um, and when I was in my 20s, I was not I was exercised a lot, but I was not eating very healthy. And in fact, um, 
I would come home from from work. I was an Air Force pilot, and I would have uh, some cashews and some some vanilla frosting out of the refrigerator, <laughs> and that was my dinner. I'm, I kid you not. And um, I was sick all the time. And then once I start, I met my husband, um, and he was very much into healthy eating as well as exercise. So he got me into healthy, a much healthier diet. And I'm never sick. And my children eat healthy; they're never sick. We never go to the doctor. And so um, a healthy diet in moderation really does make you more productive. And um, again, the verse says, "You will rise early and feel fit." And if you can rise early and feel fit after a good night's sleep, then how much more can you do? What your vaca- your your vocation? How much more can you accomplish? when you're fit and you're not sick and you've slept well, you know, you're a much better steward of your body in that case. Uh, it's often struck me that when you read the stories of people who live in contemplative religious life who follow very strict um, a prayer cycle, work cycle, sleep cycle, they're often getting up at three in the morning to start the first office of readings and then they go back to sleep and then, you know, it's very disciplined and then they go to bed early, but also when you read the details, they eat very simply. And you, you, those of us that are, are used to the used to the world's understanding of eating, uh, certainly what we do seems like gluttonous compared to their simple living. But when you look at it in the context of, of something like this, it's saying that um, there, there's both fasting and moderation and simplicity both in the spiritual life and in the physical life for them and it balanced out for them to live many you know notoriously long livers oh yeah uh, definitely the very simple dedicated prayerful people yeah and then fasting too is is also a way to exercise self-control and um we can subdue our appetites um you know both spiritual and physical through the practice of fasting and that's it's not really um in vogue in catholicism anymore and i think it's starting to come back in fasting and mortification that people are starting to realize that especially in this modern world where we have um so many pleasures that you know food is a pleasure and and um and you know everything is based on pleasure and simplicity or and easy access. And to deny ourselves is almost countercultural these days. And um, that's so important as a Catholic is to practice fasting and not just on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, um, but to to fast and to learn about fasting and to use it as a way to mortify the body and to become closer to Christ. Yeah, there's have been some groups that have well they didn't have Syriac in their Bible, so they didn't use this verse for it, but there are health and wealth gospel folk out there that want to take a verse like 22 and and basically imply that if you're being faithful, you'll never be sick as a result of your faithfulness, which uh, gets me to the question of, is our goal for uh, this discipline of eating and um, exercise uh, a way of avoiding suffering? is an assumption that there'll therefore be no suffering in my life. And, and if there's suffering in my life, then therefore I'm not, I'm not being a good responsible steward of my body. Well, it, I mean, everybody has um, their own limitations. You know, perhaps you are a person who is sick. You know, that's the way God created you, and that's your cross to bear that you're sick. Or perhaps maybe you, you, um, you have issues with food. You have... Um, you know, something that's much deeper than simply pushing away the plate. You have com- comfort issues or, or issues from your childhood. And as a, as a nutrition counselor, um, I really found out that a lot of people have very, very deep issues about food. And that's, again, that's a cross to bear. And that, that person can, um, can offer up that suffering, of course, as a way, as a way to, to, um, to unite their sacrifices with Christ. And um, it's just, you have to look within your own limitations. You have to look at, if, if you're a person that's very healthy and never gets sick, and, and um, then you need to find other ways of, of offering up suffering. Perhaps, you know, the, the, the little annoyances like St. Teresa of Lisieux, you know, the, the little ways to have and the little things that you can offer up. So even as a very fit, healthy person, um, that's a gift from God. But you can find that everybody has a cross to bear, and that can always be offered up. Yeah, if you look at Sirach uh, 31, the, the issue there is not that if I have a lot of faith, God will protect me f- automatically from being sick. That's not the point here. The point here is the person who's a glutton, the person who does not take care of themselves, the person that overindulges, that is irresponsible, 
And they're saying that not only causes much of the problems that you have in life, but can be a detriment to your walk with God. I mean, that's, we are called to be a good steward of all God has given us. And that's a bit of what these scriptures are are drawing us today. We're going to take a break. And uh, when we come back, we'll take a look at the second set of scriptures that uh, Peggy has picked out. But I do want to remind you, if you'd like to send us an email, you can send us an email at radio at deepinscripture.com. See you in a bit. Next time on Mother Angelica Live Classics. The Old Testament is important to our Catholic faith. Some books are not read on a daily basis, but are just as important. Join Mother as she discusses the book of Jeremiah. That's on the next Mother Angelica Live Classics, only on EWTN. Mother Angelica Live Classics is seen and heard around the world on EWTN. For dates and times in your area, log on to EWTN.com. Follow the compelling journey of one man who became a Church of Christ minister and found himself entering the Catholic Church. Bruce Sullivan shares his conversion story in his new book titled Christ in His Fullness. In this book, he communicates a passionate love for Christ and the inexhaustible treasures of grace found in the Catholic Church. Perhaps you, too, will discover the same riches in the fullness of Christ. To order a copy of this book for yourself or a friend, please visit our website, www.chnetwork.org, or call us at 1-800-664-5110. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. I hope you're enjoying our program. Our guest today is Peggy Bose. She is the author of The Rosary Workout, which you can find out about at rosaryworkout.com. Com. Uh, I'm pretty sure the book is, um, if not immediately, but it will be up on the EWTN resource uh, catalog. Uh, Peggy, we've got you jumping into these verses, the Old Testament verse we looked at from Sirach. Uh, it's funny, I'll, I'll just, um, uh, it's not poetic at all, it's just saying it like it is. It, you know, don't be a glutton or you're going to have these problems in your life. And, and it's put it it's directly in the context of all the other spiritual advice of Sirach. And they're right in the middle of it, the father telling his son, you know, take care of your body. Exactly. And uh, it's not just an add-on, it's right in the middle. That's right, it's a big part of it. First Corinthians, Paul writes, let me read this again for those of you who just tuned in. Chapter 9, verse 24, 27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we are imp- we an imperishable. Well, I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as when beating the air, but I pummel my body and subdue it, lest after preaching to others I myself shall be qualified, disqualified. Excuse me. Now, Peggy, it seems that the key is in verse 27. It seems to understanding this whole thing because he's making the direct connect between the pummeling of his body, the subduing it, and his own salvation in a way. Oh, yes, exactly. And he, um, the self-discipline is what's so important because, again, you have to look at the background of the scriptures. Corinth was the Vegas of the early, you know, the early Christian or early Christianity. It was kind of um, a place where men went to take a moral vacation. It was um, a place of much excess. And in fact, it's very similar to the United States today, the climate in Corinth. And, um, and Paul was writing to these Christians that he had already, um, he'd made his mission into Corinth about four years earlier, and he was writing to, to help strengthen their resolve against this corrupt, this corrupt society, much as, as, as we are today. And um, he talks about the imperishable wreath, and he's referring to the Isthmian Games, which were, um, pl- which were alternated with the Olympian, Olympic Games in, in Greece. And Corinth owned those in- Isthmian Games, very important to them. And so um, at these, Greek, these Greek Christians very much identified with the self-discipline of athletes and the strength of athletes. So he was trying to, to talk in their language and to compare that to Christianity, to the de- self-discipline that's needed to to, to win the race, the race of heaven. We, we, we go for an imperishable prize for that, that, that prize of heaven, which will be for all eternity. And so he's trying, St. Paul is trying to, to strengthen their resolve, their self-discipline, to apply that, that same self-discipline that athletes use, to apply that to their spiritual life, lest they should not win the prize at the end and be disqualified. I think 
there's a, a, a scripture in Hebrews where he's, uh, the writer of Hebrews, is bemoaning the fact of his weak knees and his uh, his weak arms and, and feeble knees. I wish I could find it in a, in a moment here because it's, it's a good one to read. Maybe I'll, I'll come across it in a second. But I remember that verse because as a new Catholic, I wasn't accustomed to spending very much time on my knees. <laughs> and every time we were in Mass, I'm all of a sudden in one Mass, I was essentially on my knees longer than I'd been my whole life up until then because our particular Presbyterian background, our spirituality had almost nothing to do with our bodies. Uh, we were into 1 Corinthians that, that said everything must be done decently and in order, and there was no expression of our bodies, almost all for fear that it would become externally focused, that we would only only be in the external and that the internal would be this. We focused on the internal. So we become Catholic. But I'm thinking, then you discover about nuns, and they spend a, their whole life on their knees. Oh, yes, I know. that the, the, the whole idea of... Um, of of just offering up your suffering to God to unite it with God and um, so many of these uh, you know cloistered nuns and and um, I like I mentioned in, um, the compassionist nuns that were very influential to me in my childhood these women devote their entire lives to Christ and um, and they they perform penance for the rest of us and so um, by by performing penance you can not only save your own soul but you can save the soul of somebody else so you can get on your knees and offer not only offer prayer but offer up the discomfort and you can do that for the souls in purgatory you can do that for your sister with cancer and that's the beauty of catholicism in our beliefs is that we can offer up suffering for others yeah uh, the the verse i was uh, stumbling around for was hebrews 12:12 12, 12. And let me read this because you'll you'll enjoy this, Peggy, if you don't remember it right now. Lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight your paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. I mean, there's the, the, the pure images of, of the body being trained. I mean, the, the reason I use the image of the knees is that when I first became a Catholic, I, I could barely kneel. Now, after 18 years, I, I, I can kneel. My my body's become not only accustomed to it, but it seems like the right posture. Yes, because there's body memory. There's, there's it's connected, and what he's saying here is this whole thing. That's part of our journey. You know, it's easy to give up. Oh, I, I, my knees are getting sore. My arms are tired, but that's part of the spiritual discipline. Very true, and it's interesting. That reminds me of um, Rome, Sweet Rome uh, by Scott Hahn, and when he finally goes to a Catholic Mass, he says, now I realize why I had a bo- have a body. <laughs> and that's just, yep. uh, that's really revolutionary, you know, to a lot of Catholics, because, you know, him, his Protestant background made him realize that my body is for worship, and, and my body is to give praise to God. And in fact, St. Paul says that, glorify God in your body. And um, that's, and you can do that through, uh, through exercise. You can give glory to God through self-discipline and through carrying that over into the rest of your your spiritual life. So you can glorify God in your body, uh, especially yeah. when you incorporate a spiritual devotion with that. You know, we every one of us knows exactly this idea that our what we do with our bodies connects with the condition of our mind, our receptivity. Most of us have a, a comfortable way that we sit, that we choose to sit. If we sit differently, we might be able to sit that way for five seconds, eight seconds, but we end up moving to the comfortable way, whether it's your right leg or left leg. If that's the way we do it, then try to do left over right, and it's not comfortable for a while. But there's something about once we're in our comfortable position, it sets us. It, 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 it's more than just physical. It is spiritual, too. We're, we're receptive. If we're sitting in an awkward position, we may not be receptive because we're too distracted. There's something like it's home when we're in the right position. That's what the church has tried to teach us for centuries about the connection of our body and our spirituality. Yeah, and it's interesting when you're talking about being comfortable, it made me think of going outside your comfort zone because perhaps exercise is not an exercise is not comfortable when you have not done it for a long time. That's why people join the gym in January and they quit in, you know, January 15th. Um, it's because it's not comfortable. And the same thing for our spiritual life. It's very easy to just go to mass and say, I'm a good Catholic and go to confession. But we need to get outside of our comfort zones. We need to, when that person talks about... Um, you know, an, an issue that you find 
um, that you can you can bring if maybe it's offensive to you as a Catholic you can speak up or maybe if somebody um, is is uh, has has gone away from the faith you can go outside your comfort zone and invite them to come to mass with you so our, our faith is really not I mean our com- being comfortable is um, is very important is important to like you said you know you want to you want to feel right but at the same time we need to go outside our comfort zones yeah. and and really you know do do something that's that's extraordinary yeah and, and the the example I was using of the comfort was for to, to illustrate that when you first begin kneeling it may not be comfortable at all but in time over time it may not necessarily get comfortable but it it becomes home. Mm-hmm. It's like what a rosary is for me. Uh, and I'm not as disciplined in saying the rosary as I should be or as ought to be, but there's a sense that the the value to me of things like the rosary and uh, is that when you when you pray it, you've arrived into a place of worship no matter where you are. Yes. That's like the prayer closet that Jesus speaks of in the Sermon on the Mount. Because you may be far from your prayer closet in your home, but the rosary, this beautiful devotion, is with you no matter where you are, and you enter into the presence. Your body, by disciplining your your knees, and he says, pummel my body and subdue it, it's making your whole existence a home for the devotion of God. Definitely. Uh, it's interesting in verse 27 where he says, I pummel my body and subdue it, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. Um, I mean, right there he's implying the possibility that St. Paul himself could be disqualified. But he recognizes the part of his preparation is not merely holiness and correct preaching, but is a disciplining of of his entire being. Oh yes, yeah. so, I mean any of us can can stray and even at the very end and St. Paul know knew that he was he was um, definitely not immune to temptation and of course those who are more holy are going to get um, a lot more temptation especially if they show a sign of weakness. So um, he was very very um, appreciative of the fact that that discipline was needed. He could never let down his guard, let he lest he be accused of of um, not not talking the or talking the talk and not walking the walk. So he, as a very visible figure in the early church, knew that that he had to to exercise this this self discipline with and 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 preach to others and practice what he preaches, lest he shall not only let himself down, but everybody else. Because if Paul fell, can you imagine the people that would fall with him? You know, another thing you mentioned earlier, I want to make sure we we bring back, and that is the end of all of this. To make sure that if we're spending a lot of time exercising and choosing out the right clothes and all that, that the key is is the end that helps us understand why we're doing all of this. And sadly, because a lot of people in our culture do these things for the wrong end, that many in the church decide, therefore, we shouldn't do these things. You yes. were referring to that earlier. Talk more about that, the importance of it. Of just Well, it's, it's just because something has been, has been changed in society does not mean that it's, it's a bad thing, like exercise and fitness and healthy eating. Um, and, and there is so much in there out there about selfishness. Um, and the you know every every workout all these um, workout magazines have these scantily clad women and men um, you know advertising their their um, their book as if this is the ideal but it's not about that you don't have to have a six pack you don't have to be in size two jeans in order to to be appealing to God but you do need to take care of your body in some way even if that's ten minutes a day even if that's you know not giving up um, your favorite dessert except on on a certain day of the week um, it's it's not. It can be a form of spiritual, a form of prayer. Even um, if you incl- if you uh, follow the suggestions in my book, then um, then you're you're exercising and praying at the same time and lifting your heart to heaven as you subdue your body through self discipline. And then uh, in Dr. Vost's book, he talks about um, healthy eating and exercise as a way to practice virtue, as a way to practice temperance, which is self-control. So you really can be led to live a virtuous life through exercise by viewing it in the right manner and not as a selfish pursuit, but as 
being a steward of God's creation and his gift to you, your body. Paul, that's exactly what Paul says here, using the image of, a, of an athlete in the midst of a spiritual context. He says, every athlete exercises self-control in all things, in all things. And so in his image of himself pummeling his body and subduing it in the context that he might be qualified to stand before the Lord without embarrassment, he recognized the need for us to exercise self-control in all things. Why all things? Because there's all kinds of things that can tempt us away from God. And a lot of the voices that yell at us in our life come through our senses. And that's our body. Yes. What we see, what we hear, what we feel, what we taste, what we smell, those are the temptations in our body, and every one of those calls for self-discipline. And uh, uh, let's take a, we're going to take another break in a moment and come back and look at that other passage, Philippians 3, 17 through 19. We'll see you in a bit. The Coming Home Network International is a non-profit Catholic lay apostolate dedicated to helping Protestant clergy and laity come home to the Catholic Church. It was founded by Marcus Grodi, the host of this program, as well as the Journey Home television program on EWTN. If you are on the journey and interested in learning more about the Coming Home Network International or know someone who's thinking of becoming Catholic, please visit our website, www.chnetwork.org, or contact us at 1-800-664-5110. The Coming Home Network International and Marcus Grodi invite you to join us for our 8th Annual Deep in History Conference coming this fall to Columbus, Ohio. This year, our focus will be on the authenticity of the sacred scriptures as we ask, how firm is your foundation? Join us the weekend of October 22nd as we bring together another exciting list of guest speakers. For more information, go to deepinhistory.com or call us at 800-664-5110. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, coming to you over EWTN Radio, of course. Our guest today is Peggy Bowes, and uh, uh, she's the, the author of the Rosary work, Workout. Excuse me. And uh, we've got one more verse we'll get through, and that's uh, the great ones. I mean, uh, we've got so many that we could deal with in this subject, but these are often verses that people overlook because uh, maybe because it doesn't fit the flow of what they expect often. Uh, Philippians 3, 17 19, brethren, join in imitating me. Mark those who so live as you have an example in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is the belly, and their glory in their sh- their glory is their shame with mindset on earthly things. Uh, so here's an example of people who've been drawn away from Christ because of gluttony. Definitely. And he just talks about, I like how he talks about those people that are with us. And you could kind of almost apply that to, to our church today. There are people, you know, some politicians that say that they're Catholic, but then they vote for pro-choice agendas. And there are people that walk with us, say that they're with us, yet they don't follow. They're, the God is is their belly, which can mean... Yeah, in addition to gluttony, just other other pursuits of of um, the flesh, other other material um, things, and and we're so distracted with mindset on earthly things. And Paul talks about about that with tears because he regrets that these people are following these these gods they have made. Their god is their belly, or their god the god is their um, you know whatever material thing that they're attached to. And it's so easy to be led astray by, um, by you know, passions of the flesh. You know, uh, all of this stuff about what we do with our bodies, how we are seen, how we're portrayed, is very common in New Testament Scripture. Here Paul is saying, imitate me and mark those who so live as you have an example in us. Is recognizing that how we are physically portrayed to the world is a model of what we think is important. Um, I, I was just noticing in, in, in First Peter chapter 3 where it talks about um, that uh, the women, uh, let not 
yours be the outward adorning with braiding of hair, the decoration of gold, and wearing of fine clothing, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable jewel of a gentle, quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. So once the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves and were submissive to their husbands. But the context of, of there is, is trying to make that balance between a culture that has the wrong end in the way they dress and all these things. Oh, it's terrible the way the immodest fashions and Our Lady, of course, predicted that in Fatima. And interestingly enough, today is the anniversary of the miracle of the sun at Fatima. And um, so that message is very applicable today because she talked about in the future that fashions will be immodest and will lead people away. And as women, um, we're very, you know, we, we are ca- we're called as, as Christian women to be modest in our appearance lest we lead others astray. And it's sad to, to go to mass and see girls, you know, dressed immodestly or women and, and um, you know, you just you have to pray for them and, mm-hmm. and, um, and just hope that they... They um, they come around. I like to pray to Saint Agatha for when I see women dressed immodestly because I think she's a very good patron for that <laughs> intention. If you know anything about Saint Saint Agatha, and um, it's just it's a shame that that and that's almost another god. You know, just little lowercase G of course that Saint Paul talks about is is the god of physical perfection. You know, these the, every girl wants to be the hot girl. And um, in these days in our modern times, and that's not what it's about. It's not about the body. It's about, like you said, the quiet, gentle disposition. Look, you know, dress modestly so that people will look for your inner beauty. Yeah, Romans, Paul talks about, for the kingdom of God is not food and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. He thus serves Christ as acceptable to God and approved by men. You know, it isn't the the end isn't, you know, food or drink, or the clothes, the end is, on the one hand, we'll stand before God, and we want to stand in bef- without embarrassment, but it's, it is also being sensitive to what our body and what we wear communicates to others. And Paul, that's why he said, imitate me, imitate those that are an example for you. In Romans, he's talking about the weak, the weak believer, that hasn't quite matured enough to see through some of these things. Well, sometimes we gotta be disciplined in in in, in our uh, what we wear, what we choose to wear. Definitely, it, it, we have to exercise self control, and that's not very fashionable these days. And it's interesting because. Um, our modern times are very unique. We don't have to work for our food. We don't have to go out and and um, work in the fields and and go and hunt. And it's only in the last few decades where we have every modern convenience and we have supermarkets stocked with food that we can just drive to down the road. And so we really are in a position where we need to to exercise self discipline with our bodies because everything is brought to us. You can you can just pick up the remote and and change the TV station and and sit in a cubicle at a computer and do your work all day. So we have a very sedentary lifestyle that's not really conducive to self-control. And, and our society is enforcing that message. It's get it now, get it while you want it, you know, get have it instantly FedEx to your front door. And we need to learn that, that, that we need to have patience and we need to have self-discipline. We need to exercise virtue. We need to discipline our bodies to do the good. We've got about five minutes left, Peggy. Um, there's a verse in Matthew that many of our non- Catholic brothers and sisters use to belittle things like the rosary. And it's in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew, you know, and in praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Uh, How does doing the discipline of the rosary in in the way that you've described it here uh, not qualify for that, make, in fact, make sure that that isn't what we're doing with this beautiful devotion. Well, the aim of my program is to become more Christ-like because that is the goal of the, the rosary. The rosary is to Jesus through Mary. Mary is our guide. Mary kept all those things and treasured them in her heart. She was there. She was walking the journey next to her son, Jesus. And even though she is not mentioned very, very prominently in the gospel, she was always there. She treasured those things in her heart, as St. Luke says. And um, she she is our guide to Jesus. She knew him more than any other human did. And so we pray through her to Jesus. And so my aim in this program is to teach you to 
eventually embody the virtues that shine forth in each mystery. And those are all Christ, Christ virtues, virtues from Christ to imitate him. And this program will help you step by step to not only discipline your body through self-control, but to discipline your soul and your spirit. And by, by learning to pray the rosary and learning to meditate and to, um, to, to study the Bible, to learn the Bible and to ultimately be more Christ-like. Uh, your book, um, as I've, what I've looked at and compared also to, to Kevin Yost's book, uh, Vos book is uh, it recognizes that some of us have to start small and, and, and move to more difficult exercises, right? Yes. I mean, that's part both spiritually and physically. Oh, sure. It's a journey. I mean, it's, the journey starts with the first step. And it's the same thing with your spiritual life. You may be a very spiritual person, but you're not you're, you're at the beginning of your fitness journey or vice versa. Or maybe you're trying to do both. You're, you're trying to um, become more fit and also to become more spiritual. And so um, these these workouts in my book, they I will, I'll, pl- I'll give you um, information how to, you can plug yourself into the program and you can make modifications based on where you are physically and spiritually so that your journey is, is a, a unique journey for you based on your own, your own needs and your own spiritual growth and physical growth. I'm wondering from your experience, in doing your rosary workouts, you've been doing this for quite a while, and, and you, you, that uh, one of the most common complaints people have, not only with the rosary, but with any prayer, is distraction. In the sense of, does prayer get me close to God? Because I can't pray five seconds without my mind thinking about 17 other things. Does this also help combat that uh, constant problem. Oh, absolutely, because I, I designed the workouts to focus on the mysteries so that you, while you're doing, you're, you're changing the way you exercise, then that, that helps you to say, oh, there's a new mystery. It's time to, to, to focus on this new mystery. So none of the workouts interrupt the flow. They try to, to, um, to actually improve the flow of the rosary so that you really do focus on those mysteries. And then, um, and the Gloria, you know, the, we, there's one, ex, one workout where you, you, start to 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 run run or walk faster and that's why you play the pray the gloria so as you're 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 uh, increasing your speed you're also lifting your heart up to heaven with this praise of the holy trinity and um and it just is really a, it, it's a progress it takes it takes time to learn to 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 uh, meditate on the mysteries and and the distract and i have suggestions throughout the book that will help with distractions and um and you know, using scriptural rosaries, or learning, or using artwork, or just finding different ways that you personally can focus on those mysteries. And the more you read the Bible, the more you are deep in Scripture, the more you will be able to recall um, different passages, and and um, and they will help you so much in your meditation. And I find myself sometimes. Um, thinking of a Bible passage that that meets some sort of of uh, situation that I am in in life, and and the more I read and study the Bible, the more I realize it applies to everything in my life. I want to tell some of you who've sent us uh, emails. On, we ran out of time, so thank you so much. Uh, but um, I recently heard a comedian who said that his doctor said that he wasn't to start exercising until he was more fit. And, you know, sometimes I feel that way about our spiritual lives. But I thank you for your your book, which is starts us off for those that aren't used to doing this discipline, to help them both spiritually and physically to to be able to stand before God without embarrassment so they can be more disciplined to, to grow in the holiness that we're called to do. So, Peggy, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Marcus. It was a pr- pleasure. Again, that's the Rosary Workshop, Peggy Bowes. You'll find that on the Internet. You go to our website. There's a link to her. And uh, thank you for joining us on this program. I hope this has been a help to you. You know, we really are in this together. We're not just individuals with a relationship with Jesus. We're a family. And so we help each other in prayer and encouragement. And that's what this program's for, to help you be deep in Scripture so that you and I together can be deeper in Christ in this church. God bless. See you next week.